everyone. Welcome back in. It's another episode of the Wobcast 2.0. Let's go. The regular season, it is upon us. Roster cutdown day has happened. Practice squads have been formed. A little more jockeying for uh, roster positions and trades are happening, but we're basically all settled and ready to go after lots of speculation and studying and opinion sharing over the course of the offseason training camp. Here we are with the regular season about a week away for the Minnesota Vikings. Lots to break down. We're going to do it in pretty quick fashion. Get out of here uh, over Labor Day weekend, and then we'll break down Vikings Buccaneers early next week. So we'll save our analysis on that matchup for a few days from now. To break down what has happened over the last week or so with uh, roster cutdown and roster formation, let's bring in my partner and co-host, Giles, to talk about it. Hey, bud, how's it going? Hey, hey, it is a phenomenal day in Minnesota because we now have T.J. Hawkinson under contract. My goodness, I know we'll get into the the details here in a little bit, but I think Quezzy has definitely earned a proper Labor Day uh, with the amount of work that has gone into that. So excited to have him locked up for the long term uh, to see it up in purple. But we're we're uh, doing some really good things for a good year. You're right. So let's let's actually begin there with Hawkinson. I know this is sort of like a 53 man roster you know, reaction sort of set the stage for the regular season episode. But let's let's begin with Hawkinson because that's really the biggest newsmaker that the Vikings have had this basically this preseason, I would say. Yeah. Um, you know, since camp began was Hawkinson and the in the injury, uh yeah. keeping him out of camp. <laughs> um you know, it was really it was down to a, it was a contract, not dispute, but it was a contract negotiation that was happening, and they they finally everyone came to agreement on a on a deal that really resets the market. Uh, I think at the end of the day, um, nearly seventy million dollars for T.J. Hawkinson, sixty-eight and a half million um, is what the four-year um, contract extension was worth. So, um, I don't think we would really dispute where. TJ Hawkinson ranks among the league's tight ends. Uh, he's being paid. It depends how you look at it. A- average mm-hmm. annual value, total value. You can look at contracts a lot of different ways. Um, Hawkinson is among the league's highest paid tight ends, if not the highest, depending on how you look at it, and probably mm-hmm. appropriate. Would you not agree, Giles? I mean, yeah, career-wise, uh, Travis Kelsey um, you know, is more accomplished and We'd probably rather have, you know, a guy would probably rather have Travis Kelsey than TJ Hawkinson. But again, depending on how you look at it, where they are at in their career arc, um, you know, Hawkinson is creme de la creme at his Mm -hmm. position group in the NFL. And we've talked about this too, Giles. For the Vikings, he's essentially WR2. I mean, he's a tight end, but he's the second best option in this passing attack in this offense. Um, so I, I don't think we take exception here to how much money the Vikings gave him. I think it has a ripple effect. We'll talk about that. But first, for starters, did this hit you over the head as too much, too rich, or did it hit you just right? What'd you think? Uh, I think it hit just right, and I think uh, it was kind of an embarrassing element yesterday, to be honest, because I was on a call, uh, new equipment financing, and I was on a call with a vendor, and we were talking about the Vikings, and I was speculating on if the Vikings were going to trade him, because, I mean, he's been a a hold-in throughout entire training camp, and at the end of the day, you need someone at that position, and if he's not willing to sign a contract, then you have to move him, and we were having that discussion, and literally, as I was making a bold prediction, the news came across that we had signed him, so I looked a little foolish, but (laughs) 
at the end of yeah. the day, I'm glad that he is back in purple. And I think when I look at the tight end position across the board, I think there's a pretty major market imbalance when it comes to tight ends across the NFL because they are becoming more and more like wide receivers, just like the Vikings. Uh, when you think about TJ Hawkinson, like you mentioned, he's wide receiver too. Mm-hmm. And really, he's getting paid kind of like Tyler Lockett from the Seahawks. Right. And if you were to ask me, would you rather have Tyler Lockett or TJ Hawkinson? Hands down 10 times out of 10, I'm picking TJ Hawkinson because not only do I think he is a better receiver, he has better hands. He's better route runner. He can get the ball down the field better. He also can block. He can block much more effectively. So when I think about that, I'm, I'm much more okay with paying a top end tight end because they're simply not paid like wide receivers. If you're paying a top tier receiver, which I'm guessing we're going to have to do here in a little bit before the season, if we're going to be honest, uh, maybe $35 million for Justin Jefferson. I'd much rather pay a, t- a high-level tight end, one of the best, we'll call him top five for the sake of this conversation, and only have to pay 17 than having to pay a top-tier receiver and have to pay 27 when, in all reality, we're getting more out of TJ Hawkinson than we would be getting a receiver. So I think it's absolutely okay paying a tight end in this category. And and I think this was part of the plan when they traded for him, Giles. I think it it was like, let's look at Hawkinson. He's a fit schematically. This mm-hmm. is what his contract is. Great, we can totally afford that. We're going to have to pay him eventually unless something catastrophic happens with an injury or a culture misfit. Uh, we're going to be willing to pay him. I mean, this was this was in the roadmap for, for Quezzy. I think he knew that he was going to do this. And this is really his first signature re-signing slash signing um i I think byron murphy is a big one that he did um marcus davenport is a one-year situation but i mean this is this was really his like big this was his first big move and then he sort of doubled down on it with a contract extension and it's going to be time for him to do that although he didn't draft justin jefferson his next biggest one is going to be doing this for for justin jefferson and then brian o'neill um, and then Christian Derrissaw. So, um, don't forget you know, CJ Ham. He was a big one. <laughs> okay, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> right. And 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 he's you know he once again CJ Ham makes a fifty three man roster, which I know is not a big surprise. But there was a point in time early in CJ's career when I was with the Vikings where it was like a debate: like is CJ going to make it mm-hmm. or not? You know, and he's still there, so good for him. Um, but um, this this was this was part of the the or, you know Quezzy's roadmap, I think. And so this one's done, put to bed good to go there um now he's he moves on to o'neill derisaw jefferson in some order whatever that is now the ripple effect here giles is i do think this will be one last ride for kj osborne here in minnesota um you know you draft jordan addison you have justin jefferson you will pay justin jefferson you have paid tj hawkinson um so you know i think this is one last ride here for kj Uh, Even if he has a great season, I think it's actually the better season he has, the more unlikely it is that he's back, right? Because he's just going to price himself out of Minnesota the better he plays. Um, So so it's it's a hornet's nest of of pass catchers here for a defense to deal with. And I'm not going to go down the path of three deep or, you know, (laughs) embarrassment of riches or greatest show on turf. I will not go there with this group because I think it's putting expectations on them that they're not asking for. But um, this is a handful. Uh, This, this, this bevy of of pass catchers is a handful. Uh, I do believe it'll be one and done one more and done here for Osborne, but for 2023, 
the full group is intact and healthy and ready to go. And um, we'll see what happens and how many points per game they can help produce and where does Alexander Madison fit in. But on passing downs and passing situations, the Vikings are very well set, I would say. And I think it further confirms that the Vikings are prioritizing 12 personnel for the 2023 season yeah. uh, and further trying to mimic the Shanahan offense from the 49ers. I think they're going to run a lot of heavy sets, 12 personnel. Uh, I think uh, if you follow the 49ers offense, there's a, a lot of scenarios where they can swap people in and out, specifically when it comes to fullbacks and tight ends and mm-hmm. getting each of those players to play yeah. each of those positions and provide what Quezzy calls the illusion of complexity, uh, mm-hmm. right? And uh, essentially being able to, to trick defenses, that's where you're really going to be able to make some hay and honestly pursue what Kirk is best at, which is play action. You're going to be able to run amazing play action out of this set. I'm really, really excited to see it. Yep, same. Um, now, the roster moves or things that happen in relation to the 53-man roster, Giles, there's a few mm-hmm. that I think we should go over. Um, yes. So the reaction to Hawkinson put to bed two thumbs up we're good to go there um and and you know devil's in the details on some of these things too i do believe that there are points in this deal for the vikings that are going to provide a path to another extension when hawkinson's 29 going into 30 um or are going to provide a fairly inexpensive way out of it too so i like the way the deal is structured so very good situation for hawkinson and for the vikings with uh, the extension so we're good there um, two players I want to talk three players I think we should talk about um, reacting to the 53-man roster. Uh, David Quisenberry, Miles Gaskin, and Joan Williams. Those are sort of the three uh, players that we sort of talked about or thought we should mention here as we react to the 53-man roster. Uh, let's start with the offensive line, uh, an area I know you pay a lot of attention to and you feel should be valued and is important particularly to the Vikings because um, of your feeling on Kirk Cousins needing to be protected particularly uh, well. I think here you get a versatile key backup in David Quisenberry, uh, someone who can probably play multiple spots, but if, uh, God forbid, something happens to your tackles, I think you have a fairly solid backup plan here. Do you agree? Uh, I could not agree more. I think that's incredibly yeah. important. Obviously, they like you said, they got the the sixth round pick for uh, Vidarian Lowe. Uh, but I think when you think about the longevity of a season, especially as the season starts to get longer with 17 games, uh, you you need that backup tackle just in case uh, because uh, the best availability is availability, and I think it's important for us to have that. Uh, you you saw what two premier pa- tackles do to Kirk Cousins last year. You saw what happens. He yeah. he plays much better when protected. He is a a phenomenal quarterback. When not protected, obviously there's things to be said, but I think the uh, the offensive line is something that uh, is a work in progress for the Minnesota Vikings, but especially on the outside, I think we are set. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I think that we have the best tackle room in the entire NFL, and now adding in Quisenberry further adds to that room in the depth to make sure that we solidify that moving forward. Yeah. Um, lots of speculation moving on now to Miles Gaskin, Giles. Lots of speculation mm-hmm. about how do the Vikings feel about their running back position? Um, you know, I think it was a hard pill to swallow, but they knew they couldn't bring Dalvin back. And mm-hmm. we were banging the drum a little bit for a re-signing, you know, right before camp saying, hey, Dalvin's not getting what he wants on the market. Maybe the Vikings bring him back. Kirk Cousins alluded to it himself. Didn't, didn't happen. Dalvin goes to the Jets. And so the Vikings are bringing in running backs. They're working them out, right? Um, so there's a lot of question marks about how they felt about the running backs and uh, Ty Chandler had a good preseason, and people were getting loud and noisy about, hey, I think Ty Chandler's going to have more rushing yards than Alexander Madison. So um, 
I think um, with Miles Gaskin coming in, I think you can peer a little bit into the thinking here with, yeah, they didn't love how it was comprised, and mm-hmm. they're not totally sure about what they have. And I don't know where they're the most unsure. I don't know if they're unsure about what's behind Madison or if they're unsure about Madison. But uh, they felt uneasy enough to bring in Miles Gaskin, a pro, uh, who's been in the league for a while, has produced, uh, particularly for the Miami Dolphins. And I find it interesting that maybe it's a coincidence, maybe it's related, but um, although he's the defensive coordinator, um, Brian Flores was the head coach for Miami when Miles Gaskin was there. So I'm sure uh, Flo had a lot to say about Miles Gaskin and probably signed off on the move. Are you anticipating Miles Gaskin being active every Sunday and playing in all the games? Or do you anticipate a sort of a platoon here with Gaskin and Ty Chandler and Dwayne McBride and you just kind of play the hot hand, whoever it might be that week? Yeah, honestly, I think it'll be a little bit of a Super Bowl by committee uh, type scenario. But I do think Miles Gaston is going to make his way onto the field uh, specifically in passing downs. Now, whether the okay. defense knows that or not, I think will be ceased to be seen. But when you look at his performance, especially when he was with the Dolphins, had phenomenal receiving ability. Uh, in fact, I think he's maybe a better receiver than he's a running back. Uh, but that that's a hot take, maybe. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think there's definitely some some uh, juice to be squeezed out of there, especially in a 12 personnel format. When you think about all the different options that you can run through that, it's not necessarily how good you are at the run you've talked about this before a lot it's not necessarily how good you are at the run it's your commitment level to it and the the team uh being able to prepare for it they load up the box uh i really think there's a lot of different options when you can have a good receiving running back uh when you're a passing offense i think there's a lot of different complexities you can throw at them Uh, he has been relatively injury plagued so i think there'll be some question marks on that front end but i think the Vikings are a very uh, injury-forward organization is maybe the best way to put it, where they definitely prioritize health in a certain specific way. So I wouldn't expect that they would have hired, uh, signed him if mm-hmm. they felt like there was a major injury there. So with Kane and Wangu, uh, obviously on IR, Dwayne McBride on the practice squad, I definitely think they needed him, and I think that they're going to share reps between Alexander Madison and, and Miles Gaskins. Okay, so you, you're more of a, um, like, split time at RB1 for Gaskin than you are yep. like he's going to battle Chandler to be the backup. Okay, interesting. Yep. I don't I really disagree do. with you. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that. Um, and I don't necessarily look at that as an indictment on Madison, Giles. I just think this is the way life is in the NFL now. You, you have yes. running back by committee here. Unless you have mm-hmm. Derrick Henry, um, you know, unless you have Saquon Barkley, um, you're running back by committee. Heck, look at, look at Christian McCaffrey. Maybe the best overall total picture running back in the NFL and the Niners give Elijah Mitchell a ton of carries mm-hmm. um most weeks so um so they like is, to keep him fresh yeah this is just the way it is in the NFL um okay let's go to Joan Williams I had Jalen Rager on here too who the Vikings mm-hmm. kept initially then end up waving him to make room for some other players Look, I think they're so stacked at the pass-catching positions with Hawkinson, Oliver, um, Addison, Osborne, Jefferson, that t- spending a lot of time talking about Jalen Rager and Jalen Naylor and Brandon Powell and Lucky Jackson and everyone else, I just it just doesn't really matter. They're stacked at receivers. So mm-hmm. um, Rager was here, now he's not. Um, but Jawan Williams going on the other side of the ball, cornerback, you and I mm-hmm. both, we sent messages to each other like, geez, you know, they waved them. Mm-hmm. Um, they obviously felt a certain way about um, some of the younger players that they did keep on the 53-man roster. But they 
felt strong enough about Joan Williams to bring him back to the practice squad. I think it's amazing. Like he was a guy who I just I like his size, I like his pedigree, I like that he's a Belichick guy. And when they didn't keep him, I was like, oh, man, that'd be a bummer to lose him. But they, they were able to retain him on the practice squad. I think it's pretty mm-hmm. incredible how accurately calculated these teams are at guys they can get through waivers and put on their practice squads. They, yep. and, and I think for fans or observers of the team, you think that someone you like the rest of the league likes and is going to mm-hmm. take. But yep. the thing you don't know is – the Bears, the Lions, the Dolphins, the Texans, the Niners, the Raiders, they all have their version of Joan Williams mm-hmm. that they're hoping other teams don't see and they can get through waivers. So everyone's got a Joan Williams. So anyway, the yeah. Vikings get to keep him. I know the star power might not be there, Giles, at corner, but I like a lot of the different pieces they have in the secondary. Let's just call it the secondary because it's safeties yeah. too. I just think there's a lot to work with there for flow, you know, and it, yeah, they're not two lockdown corners and you don't have captain Munnerlin or Antoine Winfield in the slot. And, but you know, you got a bona fide star in Harrison Smith, a great signing in Byron Murphy, someone who gives you a chance to have a, a, a true number one corner. And then after that, it's just a bunch of high potential athletic moldable pieces of clay for flow. And I think this has been the first time in a really long time that we have kept more safeties than cornerbacks on our roster. Yeah. Well, on it's the unusual 53. to do that. Yeah, yeah. Yes. It's unusual. Yep. But I think it's important to remember that Cam Bynum has a background in being a cornerback. Yeah. Uh, Jay Ward has a background in being a cornerback. I think they sure. view this entire secondary to be quite fluid. And, yeah. I mean, as we talked about before, Brian Flores views the the safety and the linebacker uh, position very fluid. So I think you're going to see a lot of movement in that case, which – as long as the players can maintain composure, will present some real dangerous capacities for the yeah. opposing offenses. Yep, it's it's um it's that fine line, Giles, where you know we talk about um there's a difference between not having enough guys, not having enough talent, so you can't have an identity, and mm-hmm. you're just sort of a smorgasbord of of barely adequate. And you gotta figure out something and make it work and skate by. That's mm-hmm. there's that reality, and then there's the reality of no, we're we're nebulous, we're fluid, we're we change with the wind. We can adapt to what we face every week. We our identity is you don't know what our identity is. So mm-hmm. there's that reality, and you yep. can't, you know, you can try to be the better of those two. And it doesn't work out, and you're just kind of a mess. You're a dumpster mm-hmm. fire, right? But if you can execute the our identity is you don't know what our identity is. If you can execute that well, I mean that's tough to prepare for. And I remember I've talked about this before. I remember when Brad Childress was here, and the late great Jim Johnson was the Philadelphia Eagles defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. and the, that was sort of their bit. They were a super aggressive, blitz happy team. And Jim Johnson had so many different blitz packages and types of blitz that you you couldn't even prepare for it all. You had to mm-hmm. like pick fifteen of them and prepare for them and hope that when yep. he reached into his bag of tricks for a blitz that it was one of the fifteen you prepared for. Because if it's one of the seventeen that you didn't prepare for, you're dead. Yep. You know. So like, yep. 
on I your think, back. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think that's what Flo is trying to do, but I think that the identity of the secondary is that it's not set every single week. No, it's very it's, fluid based on the teams that they're playing. That's what I think it is. Yeah. Um, this is a matchup league, so I kind of like that. Um, mm-hmm. And and coming from a defense that wasn't very good, I think that's a good route to go. Mm-hmm. You know, rather than like sign Brian uh, Byron Murphy Jr. and then pick a Caleb Evans and make him the guy and like make him be a shutdown guy. No, don't do that. Be nebulous and be different and mix it up. And um, I think that that's a smart way to go. And I think that's probably what Brian Flores sold the Vikings on. Like, this is what I think we should do. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very um, Belichickian. Yeah. And I think that's, yeah, not, that's a good comparison. I mean, because that's, you know, you you try and peg teams. Are they a four three or are they a three four? And if you go back and look at Bill Belichick with the Patriots, they've been both. Mm-hmm. Oh, very you know? much so. Brian yeah. Flores even mentioned that as in his introductory press conference. People asked him whether we were going to be a three four defense or a four three, and he asked, "Who are we playing?" My goodness. Yeah. So uh, it shows how fluid he plans for this to be, which I think will be really really exciting as we transition from last year into this year. Yep. Um, so, you know, final, I guess, final point here, and I'll let you sort of take it and run with it. Um, as we wrap up, uh, this episode of the Wobcast to me is, um, you know, when I think about the Vikings roster right now and where they sit heading into the regular season, Giles, it's like when Mike Mayock was the analyst for the NFL network at the combine, Mm -hmm. he would always say with regard to the 40 yard dash times and you know they're sitting there him and rich eisen talking about you know the the combine and the 40 yard dash he's like it's not a story unless a fast guy runs slow or a slow guy runs fast anything other than that the 40 yard dash isn't a story it's only a story if the inverse of what you expect happens yeah i don't think there's a huge story here with the vikings i think all the work that you and i did and so many other people in this you know very competitive full space of analyzing the NFL and the Vikings. I think a lot of all of us had a beat on what was going on. I don't think there was any big shockers or surprises, you know, and I mentioned to you like there was like the Patriots kept one quarterback on their initial 53 man roster, right? Like that's wow. That's crazy. Who saw that? Um, I don't think there was that for the Vikings and that's not bad or good. I I just think that um, a lot of us had a pretty good beat on what was going to happen, and I don't think there's anything bad or shocking from the 53-man roster reveal uh, over the last week. The only thing that was maybe a, a minor question mark to me was actually Andre Carter II. I know they gave yeah. him a massive uh, guaranteed deal when he was signing on the practice squad, or at least you know in the initial roster. The fact that they kept him on the fifty-three, considering how bad he played in the preseason, was a little interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought maybe they would try to stash him away in the practice squad, but maybe that's one of those scenarios where they're smart enough to know that they would lose him in that process. But yeah. I think there's a lot of development that needs to happen. But I think uh, to your point, I think the the rest of the roster was pretty standard from my uh, from yeah. my uh, reaction. Now yep. I do expect at least one more shoot a drop. Okay. At least one more. And I think I have a prediction for it. We'll see if it happens. I've been off uh, and wrong many, many times before. But I really think they're going to be signing Dalton Reisner. I have a strong inkling that the guard position is going to be addressed. Whether that is uh, another uh, uh, body to compete with Ed Ingram if we get four weeks in and that's not going well, and then they'll swap swap him out. But I think 
uh, Ed Ingram did not have a great preseason, and that is the one category on the offense that I think is a question mark. We gave up the most interior offensive line pressures in the last season, and I think that is part of the reason that we weren't able to make it through the Giants game and the playoffs game. So when you're trying to think about the deficiencies to go fix, that would maybe be the top on the, the roster right now. So I do expect one more shoe to drop in that capacity. I would view that as a very strong move. Mm-hmm. If the Vikings, I mean, they reportedly picked up cap room with the Hawkinson extension. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's a signing to me, he may not start week one. In fact, they may not sign until after week one because then his contract isn't guaranteed. But um, mm-hmm. unless he takes the the one t- one time in your career exception to that. But um, let's say he's a starting right guard by by week three or four. Mm-hmm. That's to me a big improvement for a massive for the team. improvement. Yeah, yep. and this is pure speculation, but on Twitter, a lot of people have been vying for his attention, saying, "Please sign with the Vikings." And he has been liking all of the tweets. Now, maybe it's just because he's interested in getting signed by any team. Yeah. Uh, so take that for what it's worth. But in my head, the team was really prioritizing T.J. Hawkinson, both out of respect to him that they're not going to go sign other players before they get his deal done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if they went to Dalton Reisner and simply said, "Hey," We want to sign you, but obviously you only can have so many dollars on the cap, right? So we're going to sign you. We need to get this done. Once that's done, then we'll sign you. That's kind of the the gentleman's agreement that I think happened there. We'll see if that actually plays out, but I do expect them to sign Dalton yeah. Reisner. Well, that would be very strong, and I hope they do that. Um, and I think it's also going to be interesting to see if any of these other, the, the guys who we know they're going to re-sign, if they get any of that business done. Mm-hmm. Um, JJ. You know. Uh, JJ particularly, Darisaw, I think O'Neal potentially could be someone they rework a deal mm-hmm. or get a new one done. So um, more business to be done. As Rick Spielman always said, maintaining this roster is a never-ending business. The job is never done for Quezzy. Um, mm-hmm. But a big, big domino fell with the TJ Hawkinson uh, contract extension. So congratulations to Hawkinson and, and to the Vikings for getting that done. That probably... Um, sort of cleared the way for some other business uh, to get done. And maybe the, the Dalton Reisner one is one of those moves. That would be very strong if the Vikings could do that. So, all right, our attention now turns to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and analyzing that matchup, Giles. Uh, yes. We will give no sneak peeks or previews to that. We will uh, save our full analysis for week one of the regular season uh, for our next episode of the Wobcast 2.0. It's the Labor Day weekend holiday, so uh, we'll take a couple of days off, and Giles and I will get together maybe on Tuesday, break down Vikings-Tampa for week one as the Vikings open the regular season at home against Baker Mayfield. And the He's Tampa been lighting Bay it up in the preseason. Mm-hmm. Good for him. Good for him. <laughs> I, um, you know, obviously he's got a lot of talent. You know, it's, it's, you know, when it's not Tom Brady, it's very easy to sit there and like laugh at it and, and just write him off. But like, it's Baker Mayfield with a chip on his shoulder, you know? So, um, with finally good receivers. Yeah. With a great core receiver. So I can't wait to talk about that with you, um, and figure out who we think is going to win and how they're going to do it. And, um, we'll break down some other stuff, uh, with regard to the regular season. So, uh, until then guys, I think that's it. Anything else you wanted to get to before we wrap it up here? No, happy Labor Day. Thank you. Same to you and yours. Uh, We thank you all for listening to this episode of the Wobcast 2.0. We encourage you to like, subscribe, and follow the Wobcast 2.0 so you can hear more from Giles and yours truly and interact with us as well. You can do that wherever you find all your other favorite podcasts and Vikings content. We're on YouTube, uh, Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all those places. So uh, we encourage you to go and find us there. 
Until next time, and on behalf of Giles, this is Wabi signing off for now. Skull Vikings.